We all know that I love making and recording my own podcast. Loudmouth is my heart and soul. But what's even more fun is that it's easy to do. And guess what? (laughs) You can do one too. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. You can make money from it with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast right there in one place for free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello, fellow activists. My name is Madison Hadler, and I actually have a podcast called Loudmouth, so hello, listeners from Loudmouth. Um, But this very special episode is all about activism, and I'm just going to talk about the different forms of activism. My name is Madison Hadler. This is from my website, springfieldactivism.com, if you want to go check it out, or if you're already on here and listening to this podcast, hello. Today, I'm just going to go over just essential parts of activism, kind of where it came from, um, all the different types of activism, the definitions of those, and some characteristics of social movements or activism. So let's get right into it because I have a lot of information for you all. So to start off, according to Vocabulary.com, an activist is a person who campaigns for some kind of social change. The word comes from the Latin root actus, which means a doing, driving force, or an impulse. Mainly, activism is used to change laws or public opinion about a certain topic. There are different. There are eight characteristics of social movements. So one of them is they are sequential. It unfolds over time. It lacks clearly specific beginning and endings. Um, the feminist movement has been evolving since really the beginning of time and although the goals of the feminist movement have changed and grown and prospered there's no real clear beginning to when the feminist movement came to be and there's honestly going to be no real clear end there's always going to be something worth fighting for to gain equal rights for all women and men everywhere it acts as collective so multiple actions leading to a final result if there ever is a final result Usually, an activist campaign sets up multiple goals to achieve. So once one goal is reached, that's when that ends, and then they create another one. Usually, they're ongoing and can happen and evolve over time. So there's multiple actions that lead to this. There can be walkouts, sit-ins, different social media movements, different political um, campaigners talking about this movement. really involves all those different types of activism, which I'll talk about in a little bit. They are non-institutionalized, so this means mainly that no group is excluded from being an activist. Most groups will accept anyone as being a part of the activist group as long as they believe in the things that they are fighting for and work to fight together for them. They face face legitimation difficulty. People don't really believe that they are actually doing things. If you stand on the corner with a sign, people don't usually sit there and actually take the time to learn about your views. They usually just pass it off. But like my lovely professor, um, Dr. Maxson at Drury University says that these social movements are not really, especially protesting and things like that, 
while they are to get public attention and, you know, they want to ultimately influence other people's opinions, the main thing is for the person that's there. It grows them in their belief and it enacts them to change more things and enacts them to talk about it more. And while, you know, one day standing out may not be the most influential in some things, it helps those people there solidify their beliefs and want to keep and continue fighting for the rights that they believe in. They are concerned with means and ends, so it's not just, oh, we're going to focus on this one end goal. It's focusing on those things that gonna, are going to get you to that end goal and making sure that each thing that you do is working towards that. It's very involved in the different events that they do, the different people that they have doing them, the different things that they get to lead to this end result. Um, they are loosely organized, usually. It's just kind of, if someone, if a political um if, like, a political candidate came into town, people would probably just start up a protest right there. They can be very random, very sporadic. Some are very organized. Walkouts, sit-ins are usually very organized. But protests, actual standing on the sidewalk with a sign usually just kind of happens when they notice something that needs to be said or they want to get attention that day. They usually just come together very fast. It contains militants and moderates. So militants are those people who forcefully or extremely believe in their beliefs. Um, an example of this is Malcolm X. He very much believed in the, I was going to say the Black Lives Matter movements, which I guess is what it was, but the civil rights movement more. Um, he believed it very extreme. And while some people followed him very trustingly in that, a lot of civil rights activists more so followed um, Martin Luther King Jr., who was the moderate, who believed the action but aren't too forceful and really try to find those means to get people to listen to them and to believe in what they're saying. And they employ non-traditional messages. That's kind of the whole thing about activism. It's going against that curve. It's acting for something that you believe in that other people don't. It's making sure that people are listening to you and doing all those kinds of things. So now I have a bunch of methods of activism which is, there's so many things, and I, there's so many things that I never heard of, so I'm going to try to get through these really fast, not really fast, but I'm going to try to get through these, because there are a lot, and I have a lot of information on a lot of them, so the first, like, category we have is community building, which are practices looking to enhance the community, usually because the downfall of the community has caused problems in it, so this is really focusing on not protesting, but making sure a community comes together to revamp its community when they start to see that things are lacking in some areas. So one of these is called artivism, which is in many cases, which is taking art and activism and putting them together. So in many cases, artivists push to attempt, attempt to push political agendas by the means of art, but a focus on rising social, environmental, and technical awareness is also common. This branches off a 1997 gathering between Shashinko artists from East Los Angeles and the Zapatistas in Chiapas, Mexico. I'm sorry if I messed anything of those up. I did look up pronunciations, but as I was saying them, I realized that I don't think I was pronouncing them right. So I'm really sorry. But this is kind of using art to influence public opinion. You know, you've probably seen a lot of exhibits on different kinds of different kinds of 
protests or different kinds of categories of protests or things that people care about. Um, just last year, I believe, I went to Crystal Bridges in Arkansas, and there was a whole exhibit on just black lives and black lives matter and just talking about the civil rights movement anywhere between the 1950s up until 2018 and that's artivism that's taking those things and trying to get that word out and making people try to believe them there's communities of practice which is a group of people coming together based off professions interests or passions so they can talk and share ideas and understand and learn from one another so this is making sure that everyone you know comes together and really tries to understand each other. And this can be used for different protest groups. So different people of like social media experience kind of come together talking about how they can increase the promotion of their campaigns and they share ideas and all that kind of stuff. It's just building up the community from within it. There's conflict transformation. These are subcategories of community building. I don't know if I said that, but just to reiterate. So then there's conflict transformation, which places a greater weight on addressing the underlying conditions which give rise to that conflict, preferably well in advance of any hostility, but also to ensure a a sustainable peace. So usually these, these try to quell arguments before they actually before they actually become something bigger. Um, I really think of. In Parks and Recreation, when Leslie Nope Nope does town hall meetings and stuff like that, that's kind of what it was. It's addressing those problems straight to the community and making sure they get those solved before it becomes anything too big or upsetting. Then there's cooperative and cooperative movement. So some people call them co-ops too. And it's an autonomous group of people united voluntarily to meet their common economic, social, and cultural needs and aspirations through jointly owned and democratically controlled enterprises. So if you've ever watched Broad City, there's an episode where they go to a co-op and or where Alana is a part of a co-op. And it's all about these, it's these group of people who work together to promote healthy and sustainable eating and they you're able to get food as long as you work the hours in the place. So that's what a co-op is. It's people coming together and voluntarily coming together to make their common interests a thing that they can do and enjoy together to provide sustainable living. Robert Owen Owen is the father of the cooperative movement, and he did this by putting his workers in a good environment with access to education for themselves and their children. And he really went and he did this for... Um, his companies he made sure that his workers were feeling loved feeling you know appreciated and all that and then he went to so far as to try to create multiple companies with this and eventually multiple towns while he didn't succeed in that that's kind of what it is it's just a democratically commun- democratic community that comes together to try and maintain the same goal and they work voluntarily and they move together cooperatively as it's called a co-op the next is cracktivism craftivism not cracktivism which is kind of like artivism but it's more about crafts and it's a social process of collective empowerment action expression and negotiation and craftivism engaging in social performative and critical discourse around the work is central to its production and to its production the term craft Cractivism was coined in 2003 by writer Betsy Greer in order to join the separate spheres of craft and activism. She said, Craftivism is a way of looking at where 
a way of looking at life where voicing opinions through creativity makes your voice stronger, your compassion deeper, and your quest for justice more infinite. So kind of like I talked about pro or protests and holding signs is kind of there to establish the own person's beliefs. It's That's what craftivism is. It's using your crafts to create things that really solidify your beliefs in that movement. Feminism really created this craftivism chain, and it's because in the olden days, women used to make clothing for their families, and that's kind of what their only job was, and they weren't getting the rewards that the men were doing who were going out and working. So craftivism really takes that idea and puts it together and gives it something for people to talk about. So it redefines the crafting that the women used to do back in the day. The next popular one that I'm sure you've heard about is grassroots. And this uses the people in a given district, region, or community as the basis for political or economic movement. Grassroots movements and organizations use collective action from the local level to affect change at the local, regional, national, or international level. Grassroots movements are associated with bottom-up tactics and encourages members of the community to take responsibility of their own actions in their community. So it's using people in the region or city or wherever to build up the community and get the word about word out about social things, and it's really causing change at local levels of laws and all that kind of thing. Um, a lot of as much as I don't agree with it, a lot of pit bull bands kind of are grassroots because it's trying to stop them at a local level rather than going to the government and being like, pit bulls are banned from the U.S., although it didn't happen in Springfield area, and I think we should all be very grateful for that, but that is a grassroots organization or campaign. Um, another example of grassroots politics in the was in the American Civil Rights Movement, was the 1951 case of William Van Til, and he worked on the integration of Nashville public schools. He worked um, to create a integrated school that was actually integrated and that actually had both whites and African Americans in the school together. So he worked to create a grassroots movement focused on the discussing of race at the race relations at the local level. He founded the Nashville Community Relations Conference, which brought together leaders from various communities to Nashville to discuss the possibility of integration. So he used his community to have a discussion about it and get everyone's ideas and opinions on the table and really try to affect change right at that local level rather than hoping that the government would do that for him himself. He really took it into his own hands. And the next, which is something I never heard of, was guerrilla gardening. And it is the act of gardening on land that gardeners do not have the legal rights to cultivate, such as abandoned sites, areas that are not being cared for, or private property. Um, another thing with Parks and Rec, you know, the whole goal is to get lot um, 47, I think, lot 47 to become a park. And, you know, with guerrilla gardening, it's taking those abandoned lots and making them into something because the government won't do it themselves. Um, it's used to show that sites are not being used by the city and abandoned and are not being taken care of. Two big celebrated guerrilla gardeners um, active, that were active prior to the coining of the term were Gerald Winstanley of the Diggers in Surrey, England in 1649 and Johnny Appleseed in Ohio of the United States in 1801. And Johnny Appleseed looked to, you know, 
build apple trees in in areas everywhere to talk about conservation all that stuff and I know that's all something that we've heard of but we probably didn't really know what it was and it was a form of activism which is really really cool then next is a transition movement also known as a transition town transition initiative and transition model and they referred to the grassroots community projects that aim to create to increase self-sufficiency to reduce the potential effects of peak oil climate destruction and economic indis- instability so it's taking that grassroots campaign at a local level and really trying to create a change and rely on more local locally owned things which a lot which is a lot of what co-ops do as well so all these kind of work together as um you know i said before there's really no it's very loosely organized the whole field of activism they all kind of work together to create this end goal so the next the next type of activism I have is lobbying, and this isn't under this isn't under the community building. So lobbying, um, you've probably heard of it, is persuasion or interest representation, and it is the act of attempting to influence the actions, policies, or decisions of officials in their daily life, and it is most often with legislators or members of regulatory agencies. Um, a research and BBC showed that lobbying find its roots in the gathering of members of parliament and peers in the hallways of the UK Houses of Parliament before and after parliamentary debates. And this is where people would wait outside, waiting to meet with their public officials, or waiting for the representatives to meet with the public and really talk about the issues. So that's what lobbying really is. It's going to a place where these legislators make change and really making yourself known and making your organization know so that these people have to pay attention to you because you know you hired these people to do what you want them to do to work for the community and so lobbying is a way to make that known to them that maybe you or that you don't like what they are doing and it's making it making it so they see that and then they can talk to you and hopefully make a change Next is media activism, which I'm sure you can pretty much figure out is using media to enhance social and political movement movements. So an example of this is culture jamming, and it's taking over media tactics and causing a scene with multiple posts or events and stuff like that. An example of this is flash mobs. Next is hacktivism, which is translating political thought into code, taking over websites, and trying to make your statements known. And then the next is internet activism and is the use of electronic communication through technologies such as social media, email, and podcasts. And they're used to enable faster, more more effective communication by citizen movements. So it's using those outlets to create a change and to talk about it. The next group is peace activism. A peace movement is a social movement that seeks to achieve ideals as the such as the ending of a particular war um, and minimize minimize interhuman violence in a particular place or type of situation. And it's often linked to the goal of achieving ultimate world peace. And this is really what um, ML, MLK Jr. I almost yeah, Martin Luther King Jr. I almost like had to really think about that. Um and that's kind of what his whole thing was, was doing sit-ins, hunger strikes, things that make people listen to you and focus on you, but not causing any violence to make people not trust your movement. 
So an example of this is nonviolent resistance and is the practice of achieving goals such as social change through symbolic protests, civil disobedience, economic or political non-cooperation, or other methods while being nonviolent. Next is peace camps, and they are formed and they are a form of physical protest camp that is focused on anti-war activity. They, they are set upside military bases by members of the peace movement who oppose the existence of military bases by themselves or anything that goes on in there or the politics uh, that control these. And this really began in the 1920s. Next is a petition. And a petition is a request to do something most commonly addressed to a government official or public entity. Another one is political campaigning, which is an organized effort which seeks to influence the decision-making process within a specific group. So working for a specific candidate, getting the word out about them, usually because of a specific group, so a Democratic Party or a Republican Party. Next is propaganda, and it is the information that is not objective and is used primarily to influence an audience and further an agenda. So it's usually used by governments to have people believe in what they're doing. And in the 20th century, the term propaganda has often been associated with a manipulative approach, but throughout history, propaganda was usually a neutral description term. So you could see propaganda, um, you know, whenever the war campaigns came out with Uncle Sam pointing at you and saying, we want you to join the military. That could be seen as a propaganda effect, but it's not really seen as a bad one because it's just getting people to fight for their country, com- for their country, not their company, for their country, for freedom, which is what we all believe in. And the next is guerrilla communication. This is like a sub form of propaganda, and it's referred to an attempt to provoke subverse, subversive effects through interventions of the pro- in the process of communication. So like taking over a website and totally disrupting it, all those kind of things. And then the next big group is a protest, or and then it has a bunch of subcategories. So a protest is an expression of bearing witness on behalf of an express caused by words or actions with regard to particular events, policies, or situations. So it's an example of this, one example, is a boycott, which is not buying a specific product or an attending an event, actively making it known that you do not support that idea, event, or product. Next is a demonstration, and it is an action by a mass group or collection of groups of people in favor of political or other cause or people partaking in a protest against a cause of concern. It consists of walking in a mass march formation in either beginning with or meeting at a designated endpoint or rally to hear speakers. This was a big thing in the civil rights movement, I'm sure we all know, of walkouts, um, especially with the recent ones for the March for Our Lives and all that kind of things, walking out at school, making a demonstration out of it. Next in the protest category is direct action. And it originated as a political activist term for economic and political acts in which the actors use their power to directly reach certain goals of interest in contrast to those actions that appeal to others. For instance, revealing an an existing problem, highlighting an alternative, or demonstrating a possible solution. Both direct action and actions appealing to others can include nonviolent or violent activities which target persons, groups, or property property deemed offensive to the action of participants. So that's really going to the 
root of the cause and making it known that you do not support this thing that's happening. Next is performance theater, which is kind of like art, but it's using, obviously, performance or theater um, to make a statement. Um, a lot of movies do this. A lot of commercials do this. A lot of plays do this, really trying to make a statement about something that they don't believe in. Next is protest songs, and obviously it is a song associated with a movement for social change, um, and it can be really any kind of song. It just has to kind of talk about what they want to see changed. And the last form of a protest is a sit-in, which is a form of direct action that involves one or more people occupying an area for a protest, often to promote political, social, or economic change. This was another big thing in the civil rights movement. And then the last big category of activism is strike action, which is also called labor strike or just a strike. And it is a work stoppage caused by mass refusal of employees to work. And it's usually over employee grievances like wage or overtime or anything like that. And then kind of a subcategory of a strike action is hunger strike, which is the method of nonviolent resistance or pressure in which participants fast as an act of political protest to re-end gold. It's to promote, promote, provoke feelings of guilt in others um, to believe in the action that they also believe in. And just kind of a random fact, but it is known that, or it is seen that nonviolent tactics usually generate to gar, usually tend to garner more public sympathy than violent ones because you know, they're not destroying things. They are just making it known that they don't believe in this, making people who are in charge of government and all that kind of things and all those kind of things listen to them and actually want to sit down and talk to them. And it is seen as more than twice as effective in achieving the goal and achieving the goals. Um, just kind of more random facts. Activism has really been around since the beginning. America was kind of founded off the base of activism. We protested against the British government. We said, you're not giving us the things that we need. We're not being represented in your government. So we're going against you. And that's really what protesting is. I mean, it's when your government officials, oh, it doesn't have to be government officials, but most commonly it's when your government officials aren't showing those values that you elected them to be or showing what most of the people in their state or city want to believe in. And that's really what America said. America was like, how is the British government telling us what to do when they aren't even thinking about us at all? And so we protested against them. So that's a really, really cool thing to think about. You know, we were really formed off the basis of the British government. And one of the first real protests in America was the Shays Rebellion in 1787. And just kind of a big trend in the 1950s and 1960s, marches were a big thing of protesting. Sometimes marches were a part of a larger plan while other marches grew organically and spontaneously, which still happens today. The March for Our Lives came out of a seen need of more gun laws and more restricted gun laws. And, you know, they can happen organically or they can happen planned. It just kind of doesn't really matter. But the biggest thing about activism and why, you know, my website, Springfield Activism, is very important to me is because we should all believe that we have a voice in our government. And even though we are electing big officials to kind of talk for us, they should talk for us. They should actually do what we want them to do. And so I think that activism is really important in whatever way you do it. I think nonviolent is obviously a more ideal way of doing it. But sometimes maybe violence is necessary to get the word out. But 
I think activism is so important because we need to get our voices out and we need to let our public officials know that we aren't happy with the way things are going. And they really listen. I mean, when there is a big activist group and there's a big call for action people listen and i think that especially with millennials and people in college now we are making those changes i mean especially with the march for our lives whole thing that all started with high schoolers saying this isn't okay like my friends should not have to be dying right now at such a young age at the dawn of our lives really and so I think that activism is so important. That's why I kind of created my website, springfieldactivism.com, because, you know, especially in the Springfield community, when we have so many college students, it's important to get our voices out. And we are the change that we want to see in the world. We can't have all these old people saying what they want us to do or determining how the rest of our government is going to work when we're the ones who's really going to be living in it for the longest. So make sure you check out um, my website, if you found this on my website, make sure you check out my podcast, Loudmouth Pod, and really explore on this page. It's really a community. Submit any events. Go to any events. Send me pictures. I would love to see your activism. And if you have any thoughts on activism, please don't hesitate to contact me either through my website, Springfield Activism, or um, at Loudmouth Pod on Instagram or loudmouthpod at gmail.com. So thank you guys for listening and really explore and get to activating. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I hate myself. Okay, (laughs) bye guys.